Thursday was a special day on the Christian calendar, particularly for people of some mainline denominations. Uh, Does anybody know what Thursday was? Anybody? No? It's called, it's, it's 40 days after the resurrection, and it's called Ascension Day. It's the day that, you know, we read about when the, you know, at the end of the book of Matthew, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, and then it says, and he ascended, and similarly at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus ascended into heaven, and uh, it's, uh, you know, a glorious reality that he was, for 40 days, he was interacting uh, after his resurrection. 40 days he was interacting with his followers, revealing himself to them and speaking to them. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, it says, uh, giving them orders by the Holy Spirit. He was, he was illuminating their minds, saying, this is, you know, this is what this meant. And he was, you know, I'm, I'm sure strengthening them because at first, of course, they could hardly believe that he actually was raised. Then after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. Um, and it's a, as I say, we don't typically um, make a big deal about Ascension Day, even though it's pretty significant. Um, but unlike that, next Sunday is another high day on the Christian calendar. Does anybody know what next Sunday is? Pentecost Sunday. Most of us, I I assume, have probably heard of Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Unlike Good Friday and Easter and, you know, Christmas, that kind of thing, um, Pentecost is, has not really been picked up by the secular world. They don't really do much on uh, Pentecost. It's not really on their radar. Even for many in the church, Pentecost isn't really that much. Some denominations especially. However, we, being a church that would be probably classified as charismatic or Pentecostal, um, we, of course... Uh, have some sense of what that is, partly because we talk about it every year at this time of year. And I'll say a little more about that. It's a day of great significance in the Bible. Amen? Uh, but, but I actually did, when I was thinking about this in, and thinking, okay, we're going to prepare for Pentecost Sunday and uh, be ready for it. And so we'll talk about it this week and next week. I actually did a Google search to see what next Sunday is, what what the world might say about Pentecost Sunday, and what else it might be. Because you know, there's there are all kinds of things, and you'll hear like the belief. You know, there's a day called National Plumber Day. You know, like there is such a thing. I don't. I you know. Um, I, Whatever I don't know what happens on that day, but um, there's this is what I found out about next Sunday. Did you know that June fifth is the Festival of Popular Delusions Day? <laughs> Popular delusions. I don't know. It's also Hot Air Balloon Day. Next Sunday. And it's good because we have our service on Saturday. So Sunday we're all free to go 
take a hot air balloon. It's also National Animal Rights Day. National Cancer Survivors Day. Here's one. All of these are next Sunday. It's a busy day. National Frozen Yogurt Day. I who knew? National National Gingerbread Day. I'm serious. What? Who who decided this? Yes, says who? And if you're not already full from the frozen yogurt and the gingerbread, it is also National Moonshine Day. <laughs> I guess after all that sugar. So, you know. Or maybe the, maybe the moonshine people made all the other ones up. Hey, let's call this National Frozen Yogurt Day. I got the munchies. Okay. It's also National Veggie Burger Day. And here are their sworn enemies. It's also Sausage Roll Day. Can you believe that? On, on National Animal Rights Day, it's Sausage Roll Day. They're sworn enemies. On the 6 o'clock news, a battle broke out this week in the park. The, the Sausage Roll folks. and the, It's World Environment Day and World Day Against speciesism I'm adding one more national day for those with too much time on their hands but just for your information today is composting day and national biscuit day neighbor day oh here's a beauty today is paperclip day what I mean, come on. And here's this one. Now this, I think this, the moonshine folks were already busy the week ahead. This one, today is also, put a pillow on your fridge day. Put a pillow on your fridge day. What's that? (laughs) The moonshine folks. Okay, so from now on, we're going to be known as that church that celebrates put a pillow on your fridge day, okay? Can we do it? Are you guys with me? (laughs) How about not? Okay, let's do this. Let's redeem the time we have left now that we know these things. You see what you learn in church? Uh, If you have your Bible or you want to just read along up here, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This is about a day that actually changed the world. History was changed by this day. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves on them, uh, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit 
was giving them utterance, or as the Spirit, some translations say, as the Spirit enabled them. They were, they were all filled. The house was filled with this mighty rushing wind. T- uh, fire, little tongues of fire, distributed themselves on each of them. I don't quite know what that looked like. But then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Next Sunday is Pentecost, so we're doing this in preparation for that. And this day, Pentecost, was already a significant day for the people of Israel in connection with harvest and the crops. And then on Pentecost Sunday is when God determined to pour out his Holy Spirit on that day, this day that was a celebration of bringing in the beginning of the harvest, the first of the sheaves, they would call it. They would do this, and the church was launched on that day. The beginning of the... Ah, this word's been kind of destroyed a bit, but the beginning of the global harvest. The, the harvest, the global harvest of souls began on that particular day 3,000 souls were added to the 120, the, the 120 followers who it says had been devoting themselves to prayer. Um, they'd been waiting and praying for the fulfillment of Jesus' promise about the coming of the Holy Spirit that you read if you back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hell, that's where we live. To the ends of the earth, this gospel's going to go. And Jesus promised it. In fact, Jesus was reiterating a promise that the Father made 800 years before Christ even showed up when Joel said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm not dreaming that much yet, so I still fit into the other one. The, your young men will, uh, wait, the old men will see, will dream dreams. The young men will have visions. Um, so, Jesus promised that the promise would be fulfilled. Jesus promised that the promise would be fulfilled. Boy, that's kind of like, here's a certified check, and the person who owns the bank signs it just to be sure that you can count on this thing being cashed. Jesus promises that he'll fulfill what the Father promised. So why keep preaching about the coming of the Holy Spirit year after year, year after year? Because living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit... Growing in the Holy Spirit, being immersed in the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, sanctified by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, renewed by the Spirit, taught by the Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, guided into all the truth by the Spirit, strengthened with might in our innermost being by the Holy Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, By the Spirit, Romans 8, having the Holy Spirit testify to our spirit that we are the children of God, like we were singing earlier, where we have an inner witness, no less than God himself, saying it's true. You're a daughter of God. It's true. You're a daughter of God. I've got to see a guy. It's true. You're a, a son of God. 
the Holy Spirit speaking, testifying inside of us. The whole, year after year, we emphasize this because all of this life in the Spirit, rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. I won't ask people to raise their hand, but I know a few people in this church just got filled with the Spirit for the first time or baptized in the Spirit just in the last couple of months. It was glorious, glad to see that, but it's not a one-time experience. For me, I I told you a week ago that it was right around uh, this time of year, especially a week ago, it was right around the 17th or 18th of May, 40 years ago, that I got saved. And a few months later, I had a glorious experience where I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it isn't a one-time experience. I had a personal Pentecost. I'm so glad for it. But it wasn't a one-time thing, and God's just going, ah, he got it, that's great. No, the Holy Spirit is God. Somebody just say, the Holy Spirit is God. He is a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment, second-to-second, eternal reality. He always was. He always will be. The Holy Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. One God. The Holy Spirit is the third called often. There's nowhere in the Bible that says this. He's often called the third person of the Trinity. He is an eternal reality. He always has been, like the Father, like the Son. Let me ask you, how do you want to live? I've had, like you, many wonderful God encounters and moments. I hope you have. I have. I've had wonderful moments with God. Some of them, I was alone. Some of them happened in, like in church or in a prayer meeting or in a home group or with other believers, whether it was some formal meeting or not. But I've had many that were alone where I just, I, one time many years ago, I remember waking up. It was my birthday. And I started by praying and it was like God just gave me a gift. It was like he showed up and it was like, oh God, I can't think of anything better than a, an, a sense of You are with me in this room. And it was way back when I was still single, and I I just stayed in my room, and it was just such a rich, delightful time. And I've had many wonderful times like that. As I say, sometimes in here where we're worshiping together or where we're praying, those kind of things. Other times where I've been out for a walk or I've been, you know, doing something like that. Sometimes it's caught me unexpectedly. Uh, Something where I just got a sense of God was near And I want to be attuned to that all the time because he always is near. But this kind of thing where God does it, I've had also, in addition to many of those wonderful moments, I've had a handful of extraordinary supernatural encounters that were not even like these more common good encounters, but a few, just a handful where God either spoke something so clear 
or one was when I was visiting in Calgary, and I'll maybe tell you about it next week, but the Holy Spirit came into the room that I was staying in, in uh, a, a girl that was on staff with us here. It was her mom's place, and the Holy Spirit uh, just came into that room when I got up in the morning, and it was one of the most... Uh, supernatural encounters of my life. I've had a few of those encounters that changed the course of my life, that, that set something like, oh, we can, we can encounter, we can experience that kind of thing. I want more of that. That's, that's good, and that's glorious. Those are gifts from God. But that was then, this is now. I cannot live in the afterglow of that wonderful encounter in that room in Calgary. It was like 1988, I think. Good as that was, it was extraordinary. But I can't live in that. I can't live in the, in the afterglow of that. It was great, and I want more of the same thing. But this is now. I can't live in that. I can't survive on yesterday's infilling. Not even last month's, not last year's, not last month's, not yesterday's. And God doesn't expect us to. He has more. He has lots more. So again and again, year after year, we need to be reminded of the reality of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, sent to fill us and keep filling us. He's sent to fill us and keep filling us, always present, always alive, always at work in us to substantiate the reality of what Jesus promised us, to manifest or demonstrate the life of Jesus in us and to us and through us. He's available to manifest the life and person of Christ to us. He's available. It doesn't always mean that it'll happen. This is why Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. In other words, we still have to cooperate. We still have to yield to the indwelling Spirit. He's here. He's available. He's able in us. But how much room are we giving him to reveal Jesus? to manifest Jesus in us or through us or to us. Again, I, what was it last week? Was it last week that Sharice stood up? Or no, the, maybe the week before that Sharice had a word about making room in our lives for God. And uh, Rose said to me, because we had thought about doing the song, Make Room, and Rose said, you missed it. We should have done that song. And... Um, uh, we missed it again. We could have done it again now. How much room are we making for him to, to do what he wants to do in us? So in the same way that we need to be reminded of the importance of forgiveness, of turning from sin, the necessity of prayer and reading the Bible and living holy lives, we know these are true. Loving God, we have to be reminded regularly, love God and your neighbor. As yourself, we know these things. 
We know them. We, how many here know that you have to forgive others? Yeah. Yet, you need a reminder, right? Because sometimes after a while, like you'll hear someone preach on forgiveness or something. It's like, oh man, you know, you go and you, for, you, know, you forgive people and you reconcile and you do these things. But over time, it wears down. The weight of that word just gets less kind of impactful and you start to focus maybe on other things maybe even other good things you know oh everything's about you know uh, the demonstration of god's power oh yeah and and, you know i can't forgive my neighbor but man i'm walking in power no you 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 need the re-emphasis on things like this Okay, we know this, but we re-emphasize all of these things regularly to stay sharp spiritually, right? We want to be sharp. In the, in the same way we need a personal re-emphasis to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And you say, but I got filled. Get filled again. I got filled. I had that great encounter in Calgary, God. Get filled again. John, that was a long time ago. I'm sick of you talking about that thing. (laughs) You imagine God, I'm sick of that, you know? It's like, really? (laughs) God? Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Talking about getting filled again. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 19. Actually, I'm going to back up and read uh, verses 15, 16, and 17 too. It'll put a bit more of a context on it. Therefore, this is, this is Paul at the end of the book of Ephesians where he talks a lot about the church. The glory of the church is Christ. And he, he, it's such an extraordinary book. Now, in chapter 5, he's giving these admonitions. He's talking about walking as people of the light and walking in purity and all of these kinds of things and not talking about the things that are disgraceful. And then he gets to this point. He says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Wow, he was writing it to us. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, um, uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Does anybody know what dissipation is? No, that's what I thought. <clears throat> I looked it up. I mean, I've, I thought I kind of know what it is in context. It means, for that is excess. And some translations say something like that. But it really means uh, debauchery. It means like an over... Uh, a huge appetite for things that are bad, for immoral things. It says, and the NIV words it this way, don't get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. Don't get drunk with wine. Now, the Bible doesn't say, uh, you know, oh, never go near any alcohol. Now, I'm, I want to be careful to say that because, you know, we're going to celebrate National Moonshine Day next year. But I know I want to be careful with that because I don't want to open the door for people who that's a weak area and they could stumble. Because for some people, that is. For me, the idea, you know, where Paul even says to Timothy, you know, take a little wine for your stomach. It's like, 
wine to me kind of tastes gross, so I, it's not a temptation for me, uh, like, you know, donuts are or something like that. But, um, you know, he, but this idea of saying wine is completely forbidden or that kind of, the Bible doesn't say that. It does say a lot about drunkenness and about excessive drinking. It says a lot about that not being good. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Funny that he would compare those two things. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I'm on a deal with that a little bit more next week. But this idea, uh, uh, if we do not get drunk with wine, for that is excess, or that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He compares drinking too much with being filled with the Holy Spirit. An interesting thing, that on the day of Pentecost, when they were the 120 and the Holy Spirit landed, and they all started speaking in tongues, what did somebody say about them? They're drunk. They've been drinking sweet wine. And Peter gets up and he says, no, it's only nine in the morning. Well, they didn't call it nine. They called it the third hour. But he says, you know, it was 9 a.m. He says, no, we're, we're not drunk. But that was the thing. There was something connecting and and i'm not saying that oh like i how many have ever heard of people saying oh they were drunk in the spirit because somebody got so filled with the spirit that they were sort of you know almost kind of spaced out well i've had a somewhat of an experience like that but i'm not saying oh that that's what i want no the the important thing was what happened they they looked like wow they've been just blasted with the Holy Spirit. I don't know that they were stumbling or something, but they're speaking in these languages. And it's, you know, people are like, you know, these guys are, these guys are like, uh, they're Jews and they're speaking all these different languages. There are 15 different languages mentioned at the beginning of, of uh, Acts chapter 2. 15 languages that people were hearing them. Well, Back in my drinking days, I never spoke another language when I drank. All of a sudden, I'm speaking some language I've never heard. Might have been slurred speech, but it wasn't another language. But they're say, they said, oh, they've been drinking. But what happened after all of that? Peter preached and 3,000 people got saved. The big deal wasn't, oh, we want to be drunk in the spirit. We want to get blasted. We want cool, we want shivers and spills and all those great things. Hey, I've had that a few times where I prayed for somebody and they, you know, God kind of seemed to knock them out. They fell or something. But the big deal wasn't the manifestation. The big deal is what God did with it. They said, oh, they've been, you know, they've had the spirit to excess or they thought it was wine. But then 3,000 souls got saved. And that was on that day. With 3,000 new believers, uh, within days, you can bet that a lot more people heard and a lot more people came to Christ. This, this connection with people drinking excessively is really quite astounding that here Paul would say, don't. Don't waste your time being filled to excess with 
some kind of stimulant that's going to wear off in hours. Be f- you followers of Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with Him. This is not just a stimulant that's going to allow you to sort of escape the real world. No, this I don't want to disrespect the Holy Spirit and call him a stimulant, but this infilling will bring you into gr- close contact with reality. You won't escape it. You'll come into the reality of the eternal living God who loves you and pours out the love of God in your heart. The Holy Spirit who bears witness with your spirit that you're the children of God. The Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit who gives power to the followers of Jesus to make Jesus known far and wide. Be filled with that. Be filled with the one who is reality. Amen? Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. But here's a beautiful detail about this passage. When he says, uh, be filled. Paul's, uh, you know, injunction that they be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a detail in the Greek language that's kind of lost in our English translation. And it's the verb tense of the word be filled uh, regard, with, it, with the Holy Spirit. The verb is called the present imperative. Big deal. The, the important thing is what it means. It implies being filled is not a once-for-all experience, but rather something ongoing. Some have said, literally, it would be translated, be being filled or be continually filled it's a word that is updated every time you say it be filled be filled be filled be filled and be filled again and be refilled and keep being filled an ongoing thing that's the tense it isn't be filled oh i got filled great no be filled be filled again be filled again he it's it's a continuous thing um like be constantly filled with the spirit another example of this and interestingly, it's connected to the Holy Spirit again, is in Luke 11, 9 to 13, where Jesus tells his followers, he's teaching on prayer, and he says to ask, seek, and knock. And it has to do with prayer. And the verb tense is the same with those three words, ask, seek, and knock. It's the present imperative again, and it means ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Don't just do it one time. Ask God and keep asking God. And then at the, the powerful, uh, this powerful teaching on prayer ends with Jesus saying, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, maybe a better word would be if you being sinful, you're a fallen human being, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and keep asking, who ask and keep asking, who ask and keep asking to be filled, filled again? God, I got filled in that basement in Calgary. That was good. I want more. I want to be filled again. I want to be filled in the church in Richmond. I want to be filled in my office, in my home. I want to be filled 
I'd like to be filled while I'm sleeping on my bed. I'd like to wake up and have Rose say, what has gotten into you? Well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's why I'm levitating above the bed. <laughs> Why you're down there and I'm up here. <laughs> Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost. Then in, uh, the, in chapter 2. Then in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And again in Acts 4.31. It says he was filled with the Spirit again. Peter was filled with the Spirit, then he was filled again. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit when he got converted in Acts chapter 9, 17. Then again in Acts 13, 9, just before he got sent out, and probably many times before that and after that, it says he was again filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, 52, it's written, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were continually filled. This is normal Christianity. Really, this is normal Christianity. Not what, not the version of it that we have in 2022. Normal Christianity is what they had. Being filled, being filled again, being refilled, being filled up to overflowing again and again and again. That's normal Christianity. That's the standard. This is not just for Peter and Paul and Stephen and these sort of spiritual elites who really weren't elites. They just were people that they took Jesus at his promise, at his word, and they got filled again and again. This is for you. Be filled again. Keep asking to be filled. Keep asking for the Holy Spirit. This is for you. I'm having a hard time looking at everybody. You look at somebody and tell them, this is for you. you. Be filled again. This is for you. It's so exciting that a couple months ago, Malik and Tammy, after the service, right here at the front of the church, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was wonderful to see that. And they both, you know, the Holy Spirit came on them. They both began speaking with other tongues. I heard Malik the next week. We're back there. And he says, can you pray with me? And he starts praying in tongues. I thought, praise God. Because sometimes, even that, somebody will get baptized in the Spirit. And then it's like, well, that happened once. That was really cool. And then, and how much are you speaking in tongues now? Oh, gosh, I didn't do that again. You know, it's like, do it again. Do it all the time. It's, I mean, one good thing about COVID, wearing a mask, man, you're going into Walmart and being a <laughs> Nobody knew. What is that mumbling? Everybody sounds like they're mumbling. It makes no, you can't understand anybody. So now you're walking around in the mask, praying in tongues. They don't know, you know. What did you say? Oh, I said, where are the mangoes? You know? <laughs> Tammy got baptized in the Holy Spirit was so excited about it. She stayed overnight at Geraldine's, told her all about it by the next night. We go to have dinner at Geraldine's and she's so jealous with the best kind of jealousy you could possibly have. I want that. And we got to be there to see it happen. Praise God. I got to say, that was a good thing, Geraldine, really, in so many ways, but also because... Something about your openness to that 
it was kind of like any apprehension, any fear, any anxiety had been discarded. I want what God's got. I want it. As opposed to, you know, sometimes, you know, praying for somebody and you're trying to coax it out of them. It was like, nope, I've got no apprehension. I want it. She got it. I've been a Christian even longer. God, how can this be? I want it all. And I got it. That was so exciting. But God wants to do it a whole lot more. And he wants to refill us. It's like constantly. He said, um, just like on the day of Pentecost, he said, you shall receive. Peter said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who have been called by the Lord. All who are far off. Tammy got it. I want it. Now you got it. Keep praying for more of the Holy Spirit. And anyone else who, who wants to be filled with the Spirit, needs to be filled with the Spirit, not just wants. We need the Holy Spirit. In this hour, we need the Holy Spirit. We need resources beyond ours. Amen? It's exciting that people got filled, but be filled again. Be filled again. Be filled again. Every time you think of it, Again, in, the, in Walmart, God, fill me up even now. Even here in the produce section at Walmart, fill me again with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about that next week, too. The Holy Spirit doesn't just fill us for church. <laughs> he fills us for life. And, in fact, so much of what you read in the book of Acts wasn't happening in the synagogue or in the temple. It was happening out in the streets and in the homes and everywhere. So be filled again. Next week we'll talk more about all of this on the eve of Pentecost, but tonight is a good night to ask God to fill us again.